but um, I really, really feel this is the best way to do it. Um, there is a, a revelation that I've been looking for from God on some things that have to do with witnessing, have to do with soul winning, and have to do with the glory of God. And so in my uh, request before God, I happened to run into this. Well, not happen to, but God led me there uh, to a gentleman. His name is Henry Groover, G-R-U-V-E-R. Has anybody heard of him besides me telling you about him? Praise God. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Uh, he will be new to most of you. That's my point with that. And that um, this man um, really originated prayer walking, which if any of you keep up with the fads going through the body of Christ, I have for the last 35 years I've been saved. They come and they go. And we all know that. Uh, but prayer walking was a very powerful experience for him. God introduced him to that concept back in 1961. As he, uh, as he began to, uh, start to share his experiences and share his testimonies, the fame of it grew. People would have him come and speak and share testimonies on the power of praying as you walk, but it, it actually is a specific type of prayer. And that's what I was looking for. God, is there anything good in this? Is this you? And what's the revelation behind it? And how do I apply it to make my ministry more powerful, more fruitful? And so that's what you're after when you start pursuing the things of God. Don't ever run everywhere because everybody else is going. And trying to because there's a strong element of that among God's people, you know, church people got to be at this person's meeting at that person. We're name droppers because sometimes we think that elevates us. But sometimes the only name you need to drop is the name of Jesus in the right place. And, and then God will do what he wants to do through you. But I thought what I would do would be to play his teaching on prayer walking and the power of repentance and forgiveness of sins over places where there's violence, bloodshed, and all of those things. I'm telling you, if somebody can do that in Chicago, that place would be different. And do it in faith and do it in confidence. So I decided instead of stealing the message from him, as I am often proud of doing, uh, I figured I would play his description of what he does because his his uh, uh, his uh, in, um, his investigation through the scriptures is very detailed and it's very powerful and it's very impactful. If you'll get it, it's amazing to me always to see how people who have real positive fruit and real fruit in their ministries, they always go back to the word. God, I see what you're saying, but show me in the word where that's true. And you see how he researched throughout the scriptures one uh one uh, precept after another and he built this revelation inside of his spirit that he has on prayer walking he calls himself henry groover prayer walker he doesn't call himself of an apostle but that's probably anointing he works in because all the signs are there but i'll let him be who he wants to be you understand so he is a legitimate fivefold ministry gift gift he has uh walked in 54 nations of the world he's been confronted with everything from sickness to death to cancer to a car accident where his skull was cracked open and god healed him right out there on the pavement all kinds of supernatural things happen to this man because of his relationship with God and his determination to be obedient to what God has called him to do. So I'm going to let Shannon, is that queued up already? Who's going to play Miss, Miss Moana? Hey, if you can get some pen and paper out, if you don't usually write all your scriptures down because you can go through them and study them for yourself. And I encourage you to do that. But Bishop Russell, I thought about you in, in this church. And of course us, but, but the way you guys minister here and help in the community, I felt like this would really be something you could grab onto and for more power, more results, definitely more protection and more, um, just more fruit 
in what we do. I don't know about you, but I got empty seats in both our buildings. And we can't fill them up without the power of God and understanding how God leads us to people that he wants to touch with salvation, deliverance, power, and everything that they need. So I'm going to let him talk, and I'm going to shut up. It's only it's not even an hour, this teaching, maybe 50, 55, how many? 44, so don't nobody go to sleep, okay? You know, I mean, it won't be long enough to take a nap. But, uh, you know, write down the scriptures because you can go back and, and read them and study them for yourself because I'm telling you, this revelation changed the face of, of the earth where this man went, and it's very, very powerful. So, okay, so I'll shut up and he can get started. Amen? Praise God. Well, this is Henry Groover again of Joyful Sound Ministries. I want to thank you for these uh, uh, giving your ear to me in these sessions. Uh, these five sessions have been uh, a, a blessing to me to share with you. I feel like I've just in each category that I've just simply given you a little nutshell of uh, of a touch of of what I've done in life uh, in these categories. But I hope we've helped you to come to some understanding. This last one is also one of my favorite called spiritual warfare. And, uh, spiritual warfare is obviously is a very, a very personal thing to me because, uh, I have learned, I have learned through the, the years how to, how to do battle. I have learned to prepare, how to prepare for warfare. Because here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, he says it very clear. I love Paul's teaching. He certainly knew what he was saying. He says in verse 2, But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, I want to go all the way back to 1961 and how God began to teach me warfare. And I said in the previous segment that I would cover a little more thoroughly on this. Walking the streets of Skidrow in that, that third Saturday night, I battled all manner of wicked and evil, lustful thoughts that I was totally ashamed of And I came under condemnation. And that was where I left off and gave a little bit and said, I'll cover more on that later. And that's when the Lord said to me, don't take it personally. I want to enlarge on that because that was my introduction to spiritual warfare. I had never received any thoughts or any teachings beforehand. Spiritual warfare was not something you ever even heard in 1961 being taught about. We, as I said earlier, we were just taught pray through. Uh, and we'd sing the old song, I would not be denied when pangs of death seized on my soul. And to the Lord I cried till Jesus came and lifted me or set me free. I would not be denied. And it goes on in the course, I will not be denied. I would not be denied till Jesus came and set me free. So we were taught perseverance. Perseverance is one thing, but it's about survival. But what about Warfare. What about facing the enemy face to face? What about going into the enemy's territory and being mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds that this is talking about here in Second Corinthians chapter 10? It says here, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And here it begins. Here comes the discipline. Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now look at verse 6. No new paragraph starting here. So he's following through. And having in a readiness or being ready at all times to revenge 
all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So where I said you're going to hear a word all. How much is all? Being ready to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That, that's pretty thorough. Do we have much disobedience in this world? Hey, you get out on this road right there outside your door. And how much disobedience appears and puts up its heads when you, when you get on that highway? Hey, you know, I'm ahead of you, you know. <laughs> and that's, that's dog eat dog. Boy, I'm amazed. It says, it says 35 out there. They're going 55. I'm struggling to stay down to 40. People are honking at me. Now, what am I going to do with this disobedience to revenge all disobedience? By the time I get to my destination, especially if I've got a minister or do warfare, what condition am I in if I have been taking it personally and say, what's the matter with them? Look at this. They just, you bunch of rebels, you bunch of rebels. Look at them go. Look at them go. I'm in no spirit whatsoever to be used of God by the time I get to my battle. I'm all worn out. I'm beat. And I'm under conviction because I've got all upset. And I'm saying, Lord, what kind of world are we living in here? Everybody. I mean, they're honking at me. They're mad at me because I'm going five mile an hour over. Help me, Lord. Well, see, you're in no condition. And it goes back to that teaching I gave you briefly on don't take it personally. Take it to the Father. Now, I want to go back to remember I told you way back in the Authority of the Believer how I began walking in 1961, and I was a very shy 18-year-old. And uh, I had a 100 gospel tracts to, to hand out. I would push these tracts toward people and not say anything to them. <laughs> I was too shy to talk. And so one night the Lord said to me, he said, Henry, you're afraid to talk to people about me, aren't you? And I will never forget that night. I'll never, it was like it was last night. I grabbed that gospel track that's in my hand. I lift it up into the heavens and look up into the stars. And here, I wasn't afraid to talk to the Lord. I said, yes, Lord, I am afraid to talk to people about you. I'm not ashamed of you or I wouldn't be out here on the street doing this. And the Lord spoke to my heart so precious and so gently, like a, a very tender-hearted father would speak. And he said to me, I know, Henry, I know you're afraid to talk to people about me. But will you talk to me, to God, about people? And I thought, well, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. And here I am, 18 years old, and I look into the heavens, and I said, you mean pray for people? And then I slap my head and say, da, talking to God is praying, you dummy. You know, teenagers talk to themselves when they say dumb things. And uh, I said, well, then, what do you mean, Lord? What do I say? And he said, I told you back there two, three nights, uh, Saturday nights ago, don't take it personally. Take it to me. Now I want you to understand the next step. The instant you see evil, you see a person that is evil, I want you to talk to me about it. Begin to pray for them and ask me to do for them whatever comes to your mind. And I thought, well, that's easy. And then he said, Every time you see good, talk to me about the good and give thanks to me for the good and ask me to multiply the good. And I thought, oh, I can do that. I don't have to talk to people. I can talk to God. All right, I can walk and pray. And that was the beginning of understanding of my prayer walking. And uh, to my amazement, the first thought, good or evil, that I had of a person when I instantly looked up and started asking the Lord or thanking the Lord as I approached that person with the track in my hand, I began to notice as I would reach out to them, little short sentences would verbally come out of my mouth. 
And they were unique. They were different. They changed continually. And I didn't even realize it at the time, but I was learning another facet of communion with the Lord and hearing his voice. And that stirred my heart so that it revolutionized me, and I began to realize, wow, I'm carrying on conversations with people, and when I say something to them, they accept the track. And it's not so hard to get rid of it. And I can look at them and say a kind word. This will help you with your problem. Or this is what you're looking for. Or this is the answer you need. And they'll say thank you. And they may not look at it much. But they'll stick it in their pocket or their purse. And it's done. And that began a whole new realm in my life. Of doing warfare for people as individuals. Then that progressed even farther. Now, earlier I mentioned about Shrewsbury, England, and the Shrewsbury Castle in the other segment. And I was talking about, uh, in the, I think at that segment, the blood of Jesus. But uh, I mentioned, standing there at that castle, when Jesus said, I want you to ask me to forgive the sins there. Well, I, I, I couldn't find anybody. I could find no one to pray for, for remittance of their sin. And so that's when I looked up and said, Father, what, uh, what is your definition of what happens when I ask you to forgive a person that is not repenting? And that's when he told me that. When you do that, I, the Lord God, lift the heavy load of condemnation off of the sinner, temporarily loosen him from them, them from that condemnation. Then you pray the Romans 2, 4 and ask that my goodness go upon them. Now, then the Lord gave me the next facet in spiritual warfare that went another depth and a greater realm of warfare. At Shrewsbury Castle, he said, the reason this castle was literally obliterated by Hitler's missiles was because of the sins that had never been repented of in that castle. Sin opens up territory and land for destruction and death. I want you to apply the payment for the sin. And I said, well, Lord, where is that in the scriptures? And you know, when you ask God, it sometimes amazes you how well he knows his word. (laughs) He just said to me, and this is another reason it's important to know the voice of God. He said to me, Romans 3, 25 and 26. I pull my little pocket Bible out and I look at it, standing there at Shrewsbury Castle. Hmm. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Wow, there's the blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Now, John 20, 23, whosoever sins you you forgive, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. There's that word remitting again, the sins of the past. How far back is past? Huh. Past is that which has already happened. So it doesn't matter if it's a decade, a hundred years, or a thousand years. Sin in Proverbs says, one sinner destroys much good. And we know that sin defiles the ground. And so he's saying to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. In other words, God forbear to bring judgment Therefore, that opened up, that innocent blood flowing into the ground, opened up a territory for Satan to come in and occupy and set up an operational center. And I want to say this before my time gets away from me and I don't do it. You live in a place and you hear of an armed robbery and someone is shot. And you can't go there right away because of the police barricade. But you go to that after the barricade is gone and you remit those sins that are past. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you break that stronghold of the enemy off of that area or it will continue. 
So verse 26 also says, see, it stays in the same context, to declare, that means to speak out, I say at this time, when is this time? Whenever you face it. His righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth, which believeth in Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, it's saying to declare it at this time. And so, I began to ask the Lord about this, and he began to speak to me. And he began to show me what happens, especially uh, in the, the Levitical teaching about all life, the, the, the life is in the blood. And we're strictly forbidden to eat blood. We're strictly forbidden. Animals or whatever, we must pour that blood on the ground and cover it up. Leviticus chapter 17. He says it here, verse 10. And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you, that eateth any manner of blood, I will set, even set my face against that soul that eateth blood, and will cut him off from among his people. What do you find in the realms of the occult when they start making covenants with, with the high witch and with Lucifer, the devil? They do it by drinking blood. They start by drinking the blood of an animal, and then the human sacrifice comes in, and they drink the blood of the human. That's with the black witch. The wannabes begin doing it with animals and all and all this. So you see, they are violating this scripture. And it says, if you do that, you'll be cut off from among God's people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, verse 11 of chapter 17, Leviticus. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul. So an atonement means to take of two and make them one. And that, as we began in the authority of the believer, helping you to understand your position in the Lord and to understand what the Lord did in you upon conversion, that you partook of the atonement through the blood of Jesus. You, who were dead in trespasses and sins, have now been made... According to Ephesians 2, you were sometimes you far off. Now you're made near through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so verse 12 here of chapter 17 of Leviticus, Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourns among you eat blood. And so on down here in 13, Whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you, he's repeating himself, which hunts and catches any beast of fowl of the air, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with the dust. For it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, You shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh. For the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. Whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. Now in Acts chapter 15, verse 28, chapter 14, verse 32, uh, you have it mentioned of the four things that are the only laws in the early church that they would withstand. And one of them was refrain from eating blood. So that is the new covenant in the New Testament in the book of Acts and the birth of the church. So that is even included all the way in the New Testament as well as Revelation chapter 6, 9 through 10. And so we have this. Now, I want to quickly uh, go to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 21, chapter 21. And uh, here is how, in the Old Testament, this will kind of compile together what I have taught you about your authority, the blood of Jesus, and, and uh, the, the, the glory of God. This will pull it all together to show you, uh, and what I just read to you out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, the authority and your responsibility in the Lord. Here in Deuteronomy 21, 
it has this expression, begins in verse 1. If one be found slain in the land with the Lord your God gives you to possess it, lying in the field, and it is not known who hath slain him. Now, is that clear enough? If you find a murder, what are you to do? What are the procedures? This is Old Testament laws. Then your elders and your judges shall come forth. All right, we have the police force, don't we? And then the judges, the investigative force comes in and documents everything. And they do the measuring unto the city which are around about him that is slain. So they do the preliminary, right? And it shall be that the city which is next unto the slain man, even the elders of that city, so now we have the elders involved in this, shall take a heifer, a cow, which hath not been wrought, or which hath not drawn this yoke, never plowed or borne a calf, and the elders of that city shall bring down that heifer unto a rough valley, which is neither eared nor sown, and shall strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley. Now, there's the blood covering the atonement for sin of the Old Testament, right? But no new paragraph. Look at verse 5. Here we are, right back to what I talked about, the priesthood and the priesthood of the Lord, the priesthood of God's people. And the priests, the son of Levi, shall come near. Now, look at this wording here in the King James translation. Powerful word. For them the Lord your God hath chosen to minister unto him. There you are with communion. There you are with authority. There you are with the glory of God. There you are with communion with God. You see what I'm saying? God hath chosen to minister unto him, to Almighty God, and to bless in the name of the Lord. So here's the name, the authority of the believer. Now, Look at the rest of this scripture, this verse 5. By their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. Now think about that. Think about that. By their word. That puts a tremendous authority on priesthood, doesn't it? They have the final work to do to bring about reconciliation, full reconciliation. Now, what is the the power of reconciliation? What is our responsibility in reconciliation? Well, that's over here in Corinthians, isn't it? Let's go to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. All right. Here in this chapter... He's talking about Jesus Christ. So he says this, he says in verse 14, For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Wow, that goes along with Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, where Paul writes and says, For you are dead, and your life is hid with God in Christ. Whoa! Romans 12, verse 1, I adjure you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your great sacrifice, the supreme sacrifice. Nope, doesn't read that way, does it? It simply says it's your reasonable service. So see what this priesthood involves, what spiritual warfare involves. For if one died for all, then we're all dead, verse 14. Now, verse 15 of First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5. And that he died for all. How much is all? That's even the sinners, isn't it? All of mankind. That's, that's like Psalms 24, verse 1. For the earth is the Lord's and fullness thereof, and all that dwell in it. And so... And that he died for all, and that they which live should not live unto themselves any longer, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Hallelujah. Therefore, from now on, he says, we don't know any man, though we uh, after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, let, we don't know him anymore. Right now, he's gone. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation or creature. 
old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There's the preparation for the priesthood or doing spiritual warfare. Never go into warfare with sin in your life. You're open prey. You're the bullseye for the devil. And he has total, total right to attack you. Total right to do it. So he says, if you're a new creature, all things are passed away. Verse 18 of chapter 5, 2 Corinthians. I'm trying to hurry here. I want to get as much in here as I can for you. He says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ. When are all things of God? After you have been reconciled yourself. You must first have reconciled all things unto him. All things must become new. How much is all? Every facet of your life, in all your ways, acknowledging the Lord so he may direct your path, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Now, here's here's a key to spiritual warfare. Well, how do I be a warfare? How can I be a battle? How can I be a warrior and please God? Number one, do not impute their trespasses unto them. God did not impute it to you. He freely gave you forgiveness. You must freely give them forgiveness. That is what I've been teaching about the power of remitting or not taking it personally. Instantly taking it to the Father and saying, Father, that's sin. That sin, I ask you to forgive that person. I ask you to do that Romans 4 on him. That, 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 that John chapter, uh, 21 verse 23. I ask you to, I remit his sins. I will not retain his sins. I ask you to remit them, Lord. Temporarily lift that heavy load of condemnation off of that sinner and then do the Romans 2 4. Pour out your love and your goodness. On him, Because you see, as a Christian, not one of you, I don't think, became a Christian by people beating you in the head with the Bible. I don't know. I, I, I grew up with some hellfire preachers that could make your cheeks set on fire. And you'd run to the altar and repent. But the very next day, what would happen? You'd go right back to the same sin. It didn't produce the fear of God. Only what produces the fear of God is perfect love. Perfect love casteth out fear. And if your love is perfected in the Lord, you love him too much to sin. You love him too much to do wrong against him. As a child, and you dearly love your parents, you honor them. You love them too much to disgrace them. See what I mean? And this is the same thing with our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says here, to wit, 19, verse 19 of Second Corinthians 5, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, the world people, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, what is the power of this? What is the value of this? Go with me just for a second. Keep your finger there in Second Corinthians 5. And then go with me to Zechariah chapter 2, where it talks about God is saying, He that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye, verse 8. Verse 9, For behold, I will shake my hand upon them, and they shall be a spoil to their servants, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Now look at new paragraph begins in verse 10 here of chapter 2 of Zechariah. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come and I will dwell in the midst of you. That's Psalms 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place. What's going to happen when we practice dwelling with the Lord and he's dwelling with us? Verse 11 will take place. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of you. Here he is again, dwelling with us. In aerospace testing, environmental testing for the environment and the testing of those missiles and that equipment, the the dwell time was the determining factor of success or failure of the product. How long you subjected it to the test would determine its quality 
and its ability withstand as a product. In your Christian life, your dwell time of that Psalms 91 will determine how well you stand, though a thousand at right hand, ten thousand fall at your left, okay? Get that dwell time worked on. Let God use you in that dwell time. You do. The fruit of it will be, verse 11 there of Zechariah 2, and many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of you, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts, the God of armies, has sent me unto you. And I love verse 12. I got it. I got, I can't leave this out. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the Holy Land. So when he's drawing all these nations to him, he's going to get his inheritance, Judah is coming back. What have we got for Israel over there? Pretty close to the size of only the nation of Judah right now. I asked a, a professor at the University of Jerusalem, why don't you call this is, uh, this Judah? It's more like Judah in geography. Well, he said there was, a, there was an argument over that, but we decided we have to call it Israel because all of Israel is going to come back. And I said, well, can't argue with that. <laughs> so, he will dwell, he will inherit Judah, his portion, in the Holy Land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. People, you better rejoice. I don't care what your political standing is, but you better rejoice that Donald Trump just put out an executive order saying, we're going to move our embassy to Jerusalem. And I know it's against the, you know, all the declaration and everything of the League of Nations did saying Tel Aviv is the capital hogwash. Oh, there's that word again. Sorry. <laughs> I said it in the first segment. That's an Iowa term. Um, it's, it's not worth being considered. All right. And you don't want to smell it. It stinks. All right. <laughs> Jerusalem is the capital of Judah of Israel. And uh, I don't care what anybody says, what that man did is so historical, and it is such a powerful sign of the last days that are mentioned in Matthew 24 by Jesus himself. And so he shall inherit Judah, his portion in the Holy Land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. So, folks... I tell you, you're just not going to get away from Jerusalem. All right, let's go back quickly, and this time back to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Thank you for keeping your finger there. And uh, I ended with verse 19. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed, I didn't read this part, hath the last part of verse 19. So he first did the reconciling of the world. So he covered all the world of his reconciliation. And then, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and then turned around and committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did deceit you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, in Christ's stead, you are the ambassador. You are an ambassador gives the message of his ruling leader. Be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, I want to quickly give you a testimony of my first my first facing death as a, a, a prayer walker. I was 20 years old. I had just gone to Dallas, Texas, uh, to university that first term. Thanksgiving came up, and the holiday weekend came. I didn't have the money to drive back to Arizona or fly back for Thanksgiving. So I decided I had been walking Dallas and Arlington, and now I'm going to walk Fort Worth. And so I had heard about the gangs in the heart of Fort Worth, a particular area of Fort Worth. And by then, that drew me. That was a cry in my heart to reach the gangs because I had been ministering and witnessing to gangs. And God gave me such a sovereign love for them. 
And so I was walking the gang-ridden area those three days of Fort Worth. And uh, the third night, I was finishing up. I'd have to get my car and head back over to Dallas, where I stayed, and be ready to go to university the next morning class. And uh, uh, I'm walking back to my car. Now, I have walked three more streets than I should have because my experience in those two years was there are certain areas of town you do not stay in after 930 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, the creatures start coming out. And I knew it. And I wanted to finish those three streets. So it was 10.30 as I'm walking back to my car. The only thing I can figure is this man was watching me through the reflection across the street of my coming to this corner of the building of a box end alley. He was standing in the darkness and around the corner of that alley. He had to be watching when I was just ready to step up to that corner, passing it. He stepped around the corner, grabbed the back of my head, put the knife to my throat, pulled me back into the dark alley, pushed my head against the wall with a knife at my throat, and he says, You've been walking my turf for three days and nights. This is my territory. You're going to die. And he was using a lot of words I added out. Mama taught me not to use them, okay? I don't, it doesn't bother me anymore when people use language like that around me. It isn't that I am comfortable with sin. I do not expect the sinner to conduct themselves any differently. If you start demanding the world to act like a Christian and by their will, they can become a Christian without the blood of Jesus, then Jesus died for nothing. Okay, keep that in mind. That's very important. So don't expect the world to be like Christians and to treat you kindly. Jesus, they they persecuted him, they'll persecute you. Expect persecution if you're being used to the Lord. It's to be expected. That's what I said earlier when I had the addiction to be tested. God set me up. I was so afraid as that knife was scratching right above my Adam's apple, I didn't dare swallow because I'd cut my throat with my Adam's apple popping up into the blade. I couldn't feel my knees. I thought at any second my knees were going to buckle. I was going to go down that red brick wall and cut my own throat with his knife. And I, in my distress, I love it, Psalms 120, verse 1. I think this is a good example of Psalms 120, verse 1. In my distress... I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Now, I didn't verbally cry. I wouldn't open my mouth. And the scripture says, as Jesus was as a sheep before his shears is dumb, he didn't open his mouth. And so in his fiery trial, he cried out from his heart, but he didn't open his mouth. And uh, so I, I have to recognize that. But I was too afraid to speak. I couldn't have spoke if I wanted to. But I cried out to the Lord, and the Lord said to me, Forgive him. And I will never forget what my thought was. Lord, he's not repenting. This was before I learned to remit sins. And the Lord said, What did I do on the cross? Did I forgive them? Yes, you did. Then you died. Ask me to forgive him. And so then I asked the Lord to forgive him. He stepped back two steps, folding the blade, dropping the switchblade in his pocket, softly said, what were you doing? And I looked at him and feeling greatly relieved, I said, I was asking God to forgive you because you don't know what you're doing. Oh, that was the wrong thing. He pulled that blade back out, flipped the blade open, rubbing it with his thumb across the blade. He said, you don't think I'd cut you with this knife? I've cut people, many people with this, and I wouldn't hesitate to cut you. And then I said the next, to my mind, stupidest thing. Then why didn't you? Oh. You ever said words you want to call back? I didn't mean that. That's exactly how I felt. And I thought, he's going to come at me, literally filleting me like a fish, you know, with that knife. Instead, he steps back another step, folding the blade again, dropping it in his pocket, 
softly saying, I lost the desire. When I got a hold of the power of forgiveness in that magnitude, no one would ever talk me out of it. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you have five theological seminaries, big ones of the nation. It's the theological seminary nation, uh, capital of the nation almost. And I, theologians were arguing with me all the time. How, what do you mean? You, you a little priest running around with your own private curtain and confessional and brother be forgiven, say so many. Oh, I got badgered in so many ways. It set me searching the scriptures. And that's when John 20, 23, Jesus' first words to his disciples after he rose from the dead in that room they were locked in said to them, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. You see, God was teaching me that principle that I mentioned a while ago in Shrewsbury in 1985. That many years, 25 years later, I asked him, what in your definition, Father, happens when I ask a person, you to forgive a person that's not repenting? And that's when he said, when you do that, I, the Lord God, temporarily lift the load of condemnation off of the sinner, giving them a space of time to repent. Then ask me to pour my goodness upon them in Romans 2, verse 4. For it is my goodness that leads to repentance. You didn't get saved and fall in love with Jesus by being preached and beaten in the head by the Bible. You're going to hell. You gave your heart to the Lord when it really stuck because you experienced the love of Jesus. That's what that gang leader experienced that night. He gave his heart to the Lord. I asked him later, I said to him, what made you step back and ask me, what were you doing? He said, all of a sudden, I was afraid of you. I had you with a knife. I had you dead. Now I'm afraid of you. And all these thoughts are hitting my mind. He must have the law enforcement's going to come any second. I'm in a boxed-in alley. I'm, I'm dead meat, as the way his word was. I'm dead meat, man. And, and I have found this in spiritual warfare. The power of forgiveness, when it is released, that releasing of what's called remitting. You don't remit a payment for these lights. They go out in a hurry. If you don't remit the payment of the blood of Jesus for the sins, they remain. And you can, you retain them. That's what Jesus said. If you don't, you either remit or retain. You've got to have a pretty big dumpster in this world if you keep retaining the sins you see every day. Let go of it to God and ask Him to touch their life. And I have seen this again and again and again. And I have had so many tell me that when I've been surrounded by gangs so many times. And when I see who the leader is, I know who the leader is instantly. And when I look at them, I go over and face the leader and begin to tell them how much Jesus loves them. They start looking around over their shoulder, and I've had them tell me later, Man, you scared the daylights out of me when you stepped right out in front of me. How did you know I was the leader? Well, the, all the, the leader always gets the eye service. Everybody's looking for the signal to jump him. How did... How did you know what to do? Because I knew Jesus loves you. And they find the Lord or they turn and run away. Why? The fear that they're trying to bring on you is turned and goes on them. Now, if you need scripture for that, study Luke chapter 1, verse 65 to the end. And that is your security right there of the power of the living God. Father in heaven, I just pray that you will just seal in the heart of each person. I, I, I've only touched this, scratched the surface of what there is in this, but I pray that you will seal it in their hearts, that you will bring back to them, if this has done more, no more than to stir up a desire to know you better, to obey you, and to enter into spiritual warfare and not be afraid, as that Luke chapter 1 says. Not be fearful, fear not, but to obey you, for you have promised to deliver us from the hand of our enemy and all that hate us. Thank you, Father. Be with each one now. 
in the name of Jesus. God bless you. And this is Henry Groover. I just want to thank you for giving me your ear through these different sessions. The Lord be with you till we meet again. Bye-bye. He's about 76 years old now. Um, His wife just passed away in August. I was real sad to hear that because he's, uh, they've been married uh, since they were in their early 20s, I think, at 13 children. Uh, yeah, and so in, he left her for many years prayer walking to take care of 13 children, but God took care of them, amen. So God can can move you in places. He graces you to do uh, what you are called to do for him. So they were a very, very productive, extremely productive ministry couple, and uh, God bless Henry Groover, amen, and his family, amen. So if anybody needs prayer, come on up now, and I'll pray for you, and... Every anybody got a testimony about your healing. You you all got healed earlier today during the worship. Praise God. Amen. 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 All right. With that little band like this. How? What you got? Come on up after her, and we can praise God. Y'all was so shy at first. I said it's the Presbyterian bunch. So we just moved, and I was having a, like a little pain, like right here in my chest. And when um, Pastor Barb stood up and said that it was a healing anointing here, it went, and it has been gone ever since. Amen. <laughs> praise God. Who's the next person? Praise God. See, God wants us well. He doesn't want us uncomfortable. He took our pain. Amen. Took it away. Amen. Amen. Where'd it go? We don't know and the devil don't know either, but the devil is a liar. He'll try to tell you he didn't take it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Anybody need prayer, though, before we go? Bishop. I saw you being naughty in the back of the room, dancing in canon in this Presbyterian place. Bishops don't do that. Um, <clears throat> for a while, my feet had not been hurting me in praise and worship. Today, they were hurting. And then when you, you know, said to receive, well, I was playing and stuff. And then I received. And then it dawned on me, they don't hurt anymore. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. God wants the devil out of our life, period. Not even a little bit. You know, we tolerate sometimes things that God uh, died to uh, deliver us from so we can have that at all times. So anybody else, anybody need prayer? Praise God. Amen. Everything's all good. Well, I've enjoyed our time in the Lord today. Amen. I don't know about you, but I sure have. So, Father, we thank you for what you've done in our midst today. You have refreshed us. You have given us the word. You've given us your power. You have healed us. You have restored us. Father, you have built us up and encouraged us in who we really are. We thank you that we have been chosen by you. So we choose you again. We choose you every day. And we thank you and we bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. We are dismissed to have lunch together. Oh,